0: to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. Every week we will cover one of the many reported cases of reincarnation, so we can bring the discussion out into the light about what happens to our souls after death. But before we go too much further, I'd like to thank Raphael Crux for allowing us to use his music from the freepd.com public domain music site. Today's episode is a little bit different in that we are discussing a case where the person doesn't have reincarnation memories but is still affected by them in her current life. Christina R recounts for us her efforts to solve a baffling fear she had regarding her son. Thanks for coming today, Christina. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Marilyn, for having me. Oh, you're most welcome. This episode today is going to be a little bit different. Christina, you don't really have past life memories as such, but in a way, your current life has been influenced by your past life. And I think there are a lot of people out there who are in a similar boat. To start at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. have you always been interested in reincarnation? Not so much reincarnation, but
1: for most of my life, I've had, I guess, what you'd call precognitive dreams. Um, So there's always been that side of me where I've been interested in the spiritual aspects. um, And actually, maybe it was more like a year ago where I really delved into the reincarnation aspect of it and it was kind of a synchronicity actually that brought me to that. I um I'm not sure if you know of the comedian Chelsea Handler in the United States, but I follow her on Instagram and she had a post and she was holding up a book by Laura Lynn Jackson who's a very well-known medium in the United States and she had written a book about signs from past loved ones. I can't remember the exact name of her book. And I was just, you know, scrolling Instagram and it caught my eye and for some reason I said to myself, ooh, I want to listen to that episode of her podcast. Chelsea Handler had said, oh, I'm speaking with Laurel and Jackson on my podcast today. And I had never even listened to Chelsea Handler's podcast, but I downloaded that one episode and I listened to their chat and something just told me to read that book. And then within their chat, Laurel and Jackson and Chelsea Handler both mentioned the book by Brian Weiss, Many Lives, Many Masters and how it changed their lives. And so not only did that make me interested in reading Laurelyn Jackson's book, but then after I read that book, I read Brian Weiss's book. And also I had just the most, it really set me off on like a year of exploration into reincarnation and past lives. And I, it was almost a voracious appetite. I could not get enough. I read all of Brian Weiss's books. I read Jim Tucker's book. Just anything that I could find or listen to, um, started seeking out podcasts. It just really, really resonated with me. Um, so that's where it all got
0: started, probably about a year ago. It's, it's funny how it happens like that, isn't it? Like it kind of yeah. the same was the same for me. I can remember when I was a little girl, I was about, oh, I suppose about 12 or 15. There used to be a, a magazine in Australia that was called the Australasian Post. And it was a bit of a sort of a, not racy, but they had kind of like, a. it was a bit eclectic. And they actually did an article on the Pollock twins. And I remember reading it and just being completely blown away because up to that point I'd been raised as a Methodist in a small country town and, you know, reincarnation just never raised its head. Exactly, Sam. Yeah. And I kind of had never really followed a religious faith because I don't have the ability to just believe. And when I looked at the stories in the Bible, I find them to be a little bit for me. Not something Mm -hmm. that I can relate to. So, um, yes, I've had the same. I was raised Catholic
1: and definitely there, we were not taught anything about reincarnation, but I always, um, I never felt very close to that religion. And my parents are pretty involved in their faith, but it just never felt true to me.
0: That's that's kind of how I felt, but I didn't know there was another alternative. And when I found out about the Pollock twins, I was like, oh wow, this is it like you it just resonated.
1: It was really like like I say an insatiable appetite like everything I I read for an entire year had to do with some aspect of spirituality reincarnation past lives some NDE but really my real interest was the reincarnation.
0: Well to me NDE's and reincarnation are kind of tied together I mean if you think about an NDE it's the start of the whole cycle yeah I know exactly what you mean. So you and I then met because of the podcast, because I started the podcast, and you sent me an email saying how much you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. It's really lovely when people just touch base and let me know I'm doing it right. So that's good. You were also um, saying that at the time, and this is why I'm sort of so interesting, because it's sort of almost unfolded over the course of us knowing each other. At the Mm -hmm. time, you mentioned that you had had a sense of uh, phobia about your son that you felt might've happened in a past life, but you weren't really sure why you had this fear.
1: I did. Yes. So, um, so my son who's turning five this week, and I know this is very strange to say, it actually took a lot for me to even admit this out loud to my husband or to anyone else for that matter, that I've always had this, illogical sense of anxiety around my son. And now I have two children. I have an an older daughter who's six and my son who's turning five. And I never had that sense of fear about my daughter um, that I have with my son. And I would say I've always had it, but I had had this anxiety that I was going to lose him somehow. And I knew it was illogical and came from nowhere. i had always had it. But I happened to watch a video. Um, There is an Olympic skier, I don't know if you're familiar with him, named Bodie Miller. And he and his wife tragically lost a young daughter to drowning. I think she was, you know, 18 months or two years old or around that age. Um, And it was just like a freak accident. She wandered into the pool. And I watched an interview with them on the Today Show. And it really triggered something in me. Uh, Marilyn, I I really, for, I can't even explain it, but it was like the fear of my son around water was so intense that I almost actually fired a babysitter because she took my children to a pool without asking me first. And I know they were completely safe and that she was watching them the entire time. It was like, Her fiance's parents' pool, and it was just them in the pool. And I know they were completely, and they had the best day. They were so happy, but I was so fearful of him around the water to the point where I was talking about it constantly with my husband. He was like, "You know, relax. What is your fear here?" And we actually got into arguments about it. You know, we were in a vacation home once and the kitchen door led out to the pool and I just wanted that door locked constantly because I was so afraid that he was going to wander over to that pool ever, especially ever since hearing that um, story on the Today show. And, you know, this fear was always in the back of my mind. And so this happened when he was around three years old. And like, I would say the summer when he was three years old and then leading into the fall and the winter, there was one moment I think I mentioned to you I remember distinctly that it wasn't summertime. It was like wintertime. It wasn't a time that we had been in a pool, near a pool, talking about a pool. Um, But he woke up in the morning and, you know, we, we were changing his clothes. And he said to me, mommy, I had a dream that I was under the water, but I wasn't little. I was big and I was deep down under the water and I was really scared. And my heart just absolutely I just felt this like adrenaline rush of a feeling that there is something to this, you know, like, why do I have this fear? He has never before, or even since ever told me of his dream ever. And I tried pressing him more on it. And he didn't give me any other information, really. He just, you know, that was all he really said. But the, the thing that really struck me was when he said, I wasn't little, I was big. And I was deep under the water. And I'm That was when I started, and it was all around the time I was having this kind of spiritual awakening where I was learning more about reincarnation and past lives. And that was when I said to myself, I wonder if there's something to this fear that I have and why would he have that dream? You know, like really, it was the winter time. We weren't anywhere near the pool. And I even, I mentioned it to my husband and he even thought it was a little freaky. He's like, Ooh, and At the time, Marilyn, I thought because I had grown up kind of having these dreams, as I mentioned, like you know, I would have dreams where a grandmother who had passed would tell me something, and it would happen, and so I kept thinking that this fear was something that was going to happen to him, and so that was what was making me so anxious, and you know, so I I told my husband about it, and I said, Oh my God, he's never to be alone near a pool or a body of water, like it was just such a huge fear for me. Um, And, but it was around the time that I was learning more about reincarnation. And then one day it occurred to me, like maybe this is something that has happened in the past and not something that is going to happen in the future. And it's crazy because if I had not listened to that episode of the Chelsea Handler podcast and found Brian Weiss's book and started learning all of this, I probably wouldn't even have ever thought that perhaps it could be something from the past. And I started to really want to get my own past life regression. And then COVID happened. So it really wasn't something that was easy to do at the time. I didn't feel comfortable doing it, you know, over Zoom or, you know, remotely. It was, it was really something that if I did it, I, I would want to do it in person. So then that is where a couple of the audiobooks that I listened to during this time were written by a woman named Lois Wetzel. And she lives in the United States and she has a couple of books uh, about the Akashic Records. And she does pass like readings for people. And her audio books were very fascinating because it was the transcriptions of her readings with I- individuals. And sometimes afterwards, she would give some context like a um an email or a message she received after the reading from the person explaining the ways in which her reading matched up with either their fears or their, you know, physical ailments or people in their lives. And it was just fascinating to me. So of course I looked her up and, you know, over the summer, I kept going to her website and thinking, oh, should I do this? Should I get a reading done by her? I'm really curious. Like the curiosity was killing me. And I, I reached out to her over the summer and she told me she had a two month waiting list for the reading. You know, then I was like, I don't know. What if it's a scam? You know, I was getting nervous about it. But finally, the curiosity got the better of me. I said, you know what? I can't get this out of my mind. I cannot stop reading and, you know, listening to things about reincarnation. I just, I'm just so curious. So finally, I did sign up to get the reading. And I did have to wait two months um, to receive the recording. What Lois does, the way that she works is she asks you to send a photo of yourself where your eyes are very visible and she connects, she says, with your image and with your eyes in that way, in a meditative state, she can kind of read your Akashic record and um, she goes back to a few past lives and she'll send you the recording of what she saw. And she also says that you can ask three questions, you know, like some people want to know about, I don't know, a nagging thing in their life, like something they can't get past or whatever. And so obviously the biggest issue for me was this anxiety around my son, but I wanted to be pretty vague. I didn't want to, you know, give too much away. I didn't mention anything about the fear around water. I just said, you know, one of my questions was, I would like to explore the relationship with my son. Um, I tend to have a lot of anxiety when it comes to him. And then I asked about my relationship with my husband. And then I also asked about any, like, I wouldn't say talents, but, you know, any, any abilities that I may have had in past lives that I could maybe like, kind of tap into now. So what I got back from her was pretty astounding. Um, So the first life in the reading. Um, I was Ethan's mom and he was a five-year-old boy. And we lived in a very mountainous, she describes it like very well as though she's seeing it, you know, like really describing what she's seeing. And I don't know what time period this was, but she says she thinks it's it was Bosnia, um, and these like really jagged mountains, and we lived kind of along the mountain paths and like part of our daily life was like kind of traversing around the mountain. And in this life, my son was going to music lesson and he would, as I guess children did, they would kind of go by themselves and, and, you know, traverse around like the mountain and go to the music lesson and come home. And there was one night that was particularly the weather was bad and I was nervous for him. So I went out to the path to meet him on his way back. And I noticed him throwing rocks over the side of the mountain, over the cliff. And I yelled to him and it startled him and he fell off the mountain. And that really resonated with me because I think I mentioned this to you in the email, but um, I had, had a dream. It was sometime in the last year where I had both of my current children now at the Grand Canyon, which is in Arizona in the United States. They were looking over the edge and they fell off. And the feelings I had in that dream, they it stayed with me. The fear and the shock of that dream stayed with me for days where I like would not forget it. It was crazy. I don't know why I had this dream. So when I heard this first past life, I just instantly knew that that was real and that that fear that I felt in that dream that I had And my initial reaction from the dream was I am never taking my kids to the Grand Canyon. Like I am never taking them around, you know, heights and and steep drops. But I was just like floored when I heard that because I, I really do feel like I still feel that, that shock and that fear of that happening. And um, Lois said that, you know, I was, Completely destroyed in that life and just never ever got over it because it was my fault for startling him. And if I had not gone out to meet him, he probably would not have fallen. And then the next life, she said, I was in Norway and Ethan was my daughter, and she was older, she was like eight or nine years old. And she describes her as, you know, the cutest little thing with freckles on her nose. And my son Ethan now has freckles on his nose and he's like the cutest little blonde haired thing. And she said, you know, there weren't many times during the year in Norway where you could swim in water because it's typically so cold. And all the children were in the water for swimming lessons. She even described like, you know, the children had these like little kind of turban things covering their hair and their hair up in these little turbans and All of the mothers were sitting around kind of chatting and gossiping while the children were in the water. And there was one swim instructor kind of in the water with the children and they were all playing. And this swim instructor started to get a cramp and was preoccupied with his cramp and wasn't paying very good attention to the children. And at the end of the swim lesson, when everyone was getting out of the water and they counted the children, my daughter was not there. And she said all of the mothers stripped off their skirts, jumped in the water, but it was too late. And one of the things she said, which still gets to me right now when I even talk about it, is she said, you know, in the first life with Ethan, it was your fault. And in the second, it was a group failing. And you came back together in this life to have a happy life, to work on that fear and to get over that fear of losing him because you won't lose him again. And she also said, as part of your karma, it would be good for you to learn how quickly children can drown. And that she said that would probably really help if you could learn the signs, the early signs of drowning and how quickly it can happen and share that with other people. And I mean, I get chills even talking about it because I never mentioned to this woman about my fears with him around the water. And not only that, I did learn about I learned a lot about children drowning, like not only did I watch this video you know with this family that kind of triggered this fear, but I had also done a lot of research and was telling my husband like he didn't understand how quickly it could happen um i I watched a video with another family who tragically lost their son, and they were in a vacation home, and the mother split a brownie with him, and she still had the brownie in her mouth when she went outside and found him in the pool and it was too late. And that's how quickly she said, I still had that. And so these were things that I would tell my friends and I would tell my babysitter. When she said that, I mean, there was no doubt in my mind that that was real um, and that that is where it all came from for me. Ever since receiving that recording and, and there were other past lives there too, like you know things with my husband and other things that resonated with me, which were very interesting. But ever since hearing that recording, I'll tell you, my anxiety has completely dissipated. Even my voracious appetite to like read everything I can about past lives has even calmed down a bit too. You know, like I almost feel like all of that was preparing me and leading me to to figure out that this is really not something that's going to
0: happen, but it's something that happened and that I can release that fear. I think the ability to face the fears that you've had in a past life for different things can change your whole mindset on it which was partly why I think I wanted to do this interview with you because I want people to keep it in the back of their heads that if they have something in their life that's debilitating them because of fear or whatever maybe they should look at looking at the past because I think there's a lot of people out there too have chronic pain and things like that that I think can quite possibly be related to something that they're actually bringing forth from another life.
1: Those stories are amazing. It, you know, when I hear things like that uh, about people that have had mysterious neck pain or this shoulder pain, and then they have a regression and they can relate it to something that happened in their past life. I mean, that's just... It's amazing, isn't it? It boggles the mind. <laughs> it, incredible.
0: It does. But I, I think it's something that we kind of need to look at and look at more more openly and honestly I think if we can change the mindset of um, medical healers as well there are cases where they try absolutely everything and it still doesn't work and they don't know why and I think they should be referred
1: to a hypnotherapist absolutely yeah
0: Yeah. because I think look at it this way it can't hurt and it might actually help you know right
1: so yeah who knows what you will find I feel a little guilty that I didn't have the regression myself. Um, but I'll tell you, I wasn't expecting it to resonate like that. I thought, well, we'll see if any of this makes sense. I just wanted to, you know, I was just so curious, but I just couldn't believe how spot on it was. So it makes me really excited to one day have my own regression. I do want to do that and delve deeper. Not that I really want to relive those
0: experiences, but I am very, very curious to do a real regression one day. You might find actually that you don't actually live those lives. You might end up living the other lives that mm-hmm. you're thinking. Yeah. Because you've actually kind of done the work on that life in a sense. It's interesting right. to me that you've actually shared three lifetimes with your son too. I agree with you. I think that this one around is a healing one. You yeah. Know? When she said that, it was like ugh, such a relief. And it's like, you know,
1: nobody ever knows what's really going to happen, but it just made me feel like what you said, like, you know, maybe we did come back together to have a happy life together as, you know, mother and son. And I don't have to worry, you know, I mean, of course you always worry about your children, but I don't have to worry about this fear being a premonition. It's just something that I've carried forward and that I can be at
0: peace now, you know. You can kind of let it go sort of thing. Yeah. It's pretty incredible
1: even to you know, my husband and, you know, a friend that I shared it with, I mean, they, I mean, even my husband was like really kind of blown away um, just because he knows, you know, from dealing with me and and listening to me and, you know, being so fearful, um, you know, Lois having no idea of any of
0: that. So. Yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? I know exactly what you mean with regard to your husband being freaked out as well, because when you sent the email telling me about it, I was literally sitting there just blown away because I knew we discussed it sort of six months before.
1: (laughs) Yes, I did. I told, yes, I told you about the anxiety um, I had around him and how I really wanted to explore that. I forgot that I would mentioned that before I had that reading done.
0: Yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, for me, it was kind of like unfolding as it came along and I was like, wow, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. And, you know, I can remember having Memories when I was a child that I knew weren't my memories, and I actually distinctly remember asking my best friend, who had been friends with since we were four years old. I remember we were walking around the block in our neighborhood once, and I said, "Do you ever have memories that you know are not your memories?" And she had no idea what I was talking about, and I couldn't explain what I meant. You know, I would just get these flashes of things that I knew were not from my life with my parents. Um, And now, you know, they're totally gone now, but I I do remember some of them and I remember those feelings and, you know, I was probably six or seven and I know a lot of times they're gone by then, but it's just amazing that I really do think if more parents recognized it, you know, like I had no frame of reference for for this type of stuff. So had I not read all these books, I would never have thought that. When my son had the dream or anything, I'm just kind of grateful that I went through that kind of awakening at the exact same time I was going through dealing with these feelings, you know.
0: One of the things that I think I mentioned it to you in an email that the reason why I want to do the podcast is I want people to be more aware. When you're talking in the forum, people will say, oh, yeah, my son said, you know, when I was big, I used to be a truck driver whatever. And they right. never go any further with it. And I find that right. so frustrating <laughs> because, you know, there's there's all this wealth of information out there that we're not picking up. And I think yeah. people don't do it because of fear or because they're not sure why it's happening or whatever. But it's not something to be afraid of. It's just life. This is just the way right. it works. Right. And I think some with some children,
1: it's obviously more vivid and more detailed. I mean, I've actually like tried to kind of, prod um a little bit about those memories i never got anything else out of him other than that one you know time he told me about the dream
0: i've always felt that reincarnation is connected to emotion it seems to me Mm -hmm. to be that we, we are down here actually to experience emotion yeah and i've heard
1: somewhere i don't remember where i heard this but that you know earth is the kind of the emotional plane
0: for our souls to experience the emotion i think that's absolutely accurate I think when you look at life, I'm not sure for everyone, but I've had times in my life where I've gone through great hardship and people sort of go, oh, you know, why me? You know, I hate this. Why do I have to go through this? But in actual fact, I've found that the times when I have grown the most emotionally and perhaps spiritually is when I've gone through those times of hardship and come out the other side. I don't think we're down here to suffer. I think we're down here to experience.
1: To experience and learn certain lessons. And from all of the reading that I've done over the past year, it has given me such perspective on when people go through hard times, like you're saying, because um, you get the sense that it's for a purpose. And sometimes you you need to get through that in order to learn something that you haven't learned. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I know it's hard to find purpose in a lot of tragedies. So it's hard for people, I'm sure, who are going through something like that to feel that at that moment. But I think you're right. I think it's all to teach us, you know, a lesson that we agreed to learn when we came into this life.
0: Yeah, I've had to change my views a lot since starting this podcast. When I first started it, I was determined that it was not going to be something that was a spiritual process, that there was going to be no spirituality connected to it, because to me, it was just a natural function of life. And It's just all part of it. And I still believe that, but I cannot deny, which actually brings me up to the next bit. I cannot deny that there are aspects around it that involve presentience and knowing things that we couldn't possibly know and that whether you like it or not are connected to what we would call spirituality today. So for example, when you and I first talked about You weren't sure what to do or whether to have a regression. And I said, Oh, perhaps try guided meditations first to see if you can actually get into a meditative state. And uh, we both actually had something really interesting happen. But I'd love for you to relate yours because it's just mind blowing. I thought it was trippy.
1: Meditation is something I've always, always wanted to um, explore and have as a practice in my life. And before I had children, I did a meditation class through Yoga Studio. But then, you know, I don't know, you have kids and your babies and you're working and everything gets so crazy. And now I feel like my kids are at an age where I can focus more on myself. And when you suggested that, I said, you know, I'm so interested in all of this. And I'm so connected to this part of me now. And I'm going through this spiritual awakening. And like the last missing piece that I am not doing here is meditating and and really quieting my mind and, and doing that. So after our conversation, I did try And Are you familiar with Evan Alexander? He wrote Proof of Heaven um, and he had a pretty famous NDE. He was a, a neuroscientist. Um, I don't know if he was a surgeon, neurosurgeon, but he is like the co-creator of this uh, meditation app called Sacred Acoustics. And I found it really helpful. It's like a brainwave entrainment type of meditation music which helps you get like deep into like theta and alpha brainwaves. And they're about 20 to 30 minutes. And I started to really, really try to do it on a regular basis. Like right after the kids go to bed, you know, go up to my third floor space, um, meditate. And first of all, when I started doing it, I noticed that my dreams just became so much more vivid and, and just so much more involved and I started writing them down in a dream journal. I started the dream journal a little before I started meditating, but they, when I started meditating, the dreams were just very, very vivid. Um, but yeah, in one meditation I had an image, and, th- and this is going to sound really strange, but I had a, a fleeting image of um, a man. And I have to say, I think he was from like Myanmar. And I I don't know why I know that, but I do. And I get the sense that I, I know this man. And I've also had dreams of Myanmar and had to wake up and I knew it was Myanmar. And I had to Google Myanmar, not knowing exactly where it even was. And when I saw the photos on Google Images that came up, I'm like, yes, that was what was in my dream. So I feel like there is some connection there. And it was like a fleeting image um in my meditation and gone and I I would love to explore that more one day um and then I had a pretty crazy experience also during the time where I was very regular with my meditation I've kind of come off of that right now I'm I'm off the wagon a little bit but um I had two days in a row I had a dream and it was almost not even a dream because i almost felt like i was awake like a waking dream where i had this vision of a police car in front of my house and because i had it two days in a row and it was actually the second day it was so confusing to me that when i woke up i thought wait did that really happen or was that a dream like it was very very confusing and so much so that i texted my husband who was already on his way to work and i said I had two dreams, two nights in a row that there was a police car parked in front of our house. And he's like, oh, that's weird, you know. Now, this was on a Monday that I sent him this text. And on Wednesday morning, I was just settling into work from home. It was 8 a.m. and my doorbell rang. And I ran down the stairs. I thought it was a friend of mine who had to drop something off. So I just kind of pulled open the door and there was a police officer at my door. And a police car in front of my house. And I had just this like crazy moment where I had this like like an adrenaline rush of like, oh my God, this is really happening right now. Um and think it wasn't like an emergency. There was a, you know, a child that was found wandering in the neighborhood and they were trying to identify, you know, whose house he was and who he was. But I was so like, I just, I don't know, I was so blown away by this. I called my husband and I didn't remember that I had sent him a text. I thought I just told him about this vision. He goes, oh no, I have the text right here. You sent it to me on Monday morning and he like sent me a screenshot of it. I was like, oh my God, all right, I have proof that I had this vision of this. And, you know, I've been living here for 11 years and I've never had a police officer ring my doorbell ever. That's not, not something that happens on a regular basis.
0: Yeah it's not the sort of thing that would happen to most people. Like I think uh, if I look through my life, I think I've had the police turn up at my door once and it was, they were just asking inquiries about something happened in the neighborhood to dream of it twice. And then to have one appear would be quite freaky. I think I would have actually almost melted down.
1: (laughs) I was blown away. I couldn't focus on work
0: for like an hour
1: afterwards. I was like, that was crazy, you know? And, and it was, it was bizarre because like I said, it wasn't a, a dream per se. Like I, the second time it was like I was waking up in the morning, and it was like I saw it so clearly it was almost as though it really was happening, and then I woke up and was so confused because I thought, "Wait a minute, did that happen, or did that i it was very, very weird. I've never had anything like that like be so validated, you know so quickly and and just so obviously, you know, so that was a very cool experience,
0: I think, yeah, definitely you also actually had a dream that was quite interesting given current events in America as well, actually.
1: I did, Marilyn. And, you know, I looked back in my dream journal to see when it was. So on January 6th, there were riots um, of people that stormed our Capitol building in Washington, D.C., as I'm sure you've heard. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching it on the TV, it just occurred to me, I'm like, I think I talked about this. And I had to go back in my dream journal. Now, this is January 6th and I had this dream in August which seems like quite a bit of time prior but you know in my dream I was in a very very large federal building and something bad was happening everyone was running around and it was just kind of chaos and I had images of like smoldering outside the building and um there were images on the television of like you know tear gas and like smoke coming up and that was exactly what I saw in my dream. And I didn't know which federal building it was. I have never been into the Capitol myself, but I knew it wasn't the Pentagon, which is another like very, you know, well-known federal building in our country. But I knew it wasn't that. I even wrote it in my journal. It wasn't the Pentagon, but it was a very large building. And there was chaos inside and people running from all sides, you know, and I wrote it down. So I have that in my journal and When I was watching it on television, I just instantly got this feeling like I had a dream about this. So it's just crazy because when I do have these types of dreams, I just write down all of my impressions and, you know, you're trying to interpret it. I would imagine it would be somewhat like what a medium is trying to interpret when she, when they're working, but I just write down everything that I'm seeing. And then, you know, when I go back and I read it, I'm like, okay, that's what that meant. You know, so sometimes things don't match up exactly, but I just knew when I was watching it on television that that was what my dream was, um, which is pretty crazy. It makes you wonder like, you know, about time in general,
0: you know, a lot of people sort of say in the forums, you know, if you believe in reincarnation, that when you get to the other side, your family members will be there and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But How can they be there if they've died years before? So they've probably reincarnated. And I keep saying to them, well, for a start, I don't think that time works the same on that side. Right. Absolutely. You know, when people describe near-death experiences, it's more in near-death experiences that comes out that they talk about that, but they'll often right. talk about being in two points at one time when an incident's happening and they can see it from two perspectives. So Yes,
1: and no limit to their vision and to what they can see.
0: Exactly. There's actually a famous British medium, and his name's Gordon Smith. He was saying that he thinks everybody has the ability to increase their sensitivity and their spirit awareness without needing to go on to become a medium or something. You can actually have a touch of it without necessarily being someone who that's their whole focus in life. He said, it's a bit like learning the piano. You know, you might learn the piano, but you're not necessarily going to go on to be a concert pianist.
1: That is really interesting. And he's not the only medium that says that, because I know the the one that I mentioned, Laurelyn Jackson, who is well known in the US, she's always says that as well. We all have the ability in us, the intuition, the ability to hone it, the ability to tune into it. Um, and she sometimes like teaches workshops to that effect. People can kind of learn how to tune more into their intuition and listen to that. So I do believe that wholeheartedly that everybody has it. Maybe people don't always really understand when it is, you know, whispering to them when the universe is giving them these signs that they're not really getting it. But I think we all have that ability.
0: I think as we grow up and we get older and you become adult, your logical mind takes over and you start thinking that can't possibly be right. So therefore I'm going to ignore it. It's just me, my own voice head or whatever you know it's it's not something I'm really experiencing so we shut it down and like anything yeah. that we don't use I think it can atrophy and I think for people like you although you don't remember them now but you obviously did have memories as a child to have said mm-hmm. that comment to your little friend I think that some people are naturally born with a higher degree of sensitivity about that sort of thing and it may, maybe yeah. helps them tune in more which is why you're Picking up things that probably I wouldn't because i'm I've obviously atrophied mine to death, <laughs> <laughs> well, life you know we get into the rat race of life it's it's really
1: hard to avoid, especially as an adult when you're a kid, you're so much more open to a lot of things, and i you know I do remember like little flashes from those memories, like just like a snapshot, I would say, and since I was eleven years old I could an entire podcast episode about you know dreams like that that I've had and synchronicities that I've had and um kind of precognitive dreams and things that have come true so it's just it's really fascinating to me and i I feel like this is definitely like the time in my life to explore all of that, and that I was kind of guided down this path for a reason, and I don't necessarily know what that reason is or was, and you know I think part of it was. You know, learning all of that about my son, and I just like it. Just makes me want to learn more. You know, that's why I love listening to podcasts like like yours and any type of exploration into this other unseen kind of what's not the obvious day to day things in our lives. I think there's just so so much else.
0: Yeah, so much more still to explore about it, isn't there? I think that's why, in a way, maybe I got actually kind of. Led myself a bit to do the podcast through doing it. I've started thinking about things like this that I never would have considered before. I've got no memories of my past lives, I've never had any kind of precognitive things or (laughs) never had anything sort of freaky, never seen ghosts or anything. Yeah, just I've just lived the most straight, boring (laughs) life you can live, (laughs) but not um, anymore because look, you're answering a calling right now, you know. Well, I wonder that. When we were talking about meditation, so I thought, well, maybe I should try and do self-guided meditation to do my own regression. And mm-hmm. as I mentioned, I actually had something happen that freaked me out at the time. And that was when I, I went to do a self-guided meditation and I was thinking along the lines of, oh, hopefully I'll see something about a past life. That didn't happen. But as I was just getting deeper and deeper and deeper into it, there was just this moment where I lost someone that I loved a long time ago. He was just a friend, but he was someone that I really loved. And I've carried him with me all my life, but I've always right. been very sad and I've grieved the fact that he, he died very young. He died when he was 20. That's right. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, he was lovely. He was actually a patient. I used to work at a hospital and mm-hmm. um, he was a lovely guy and he just embraced life completely. So when he died, I felt that it was it was like a double tragedy because not only did I lose him but uh, and the world lost him. Yeah. But he didn't get the chance to fulfill his full potential, but as I was going under in into the meditation, I could feel him, and I and I even in my head I said, "Oh, you're here. I can feel you. I, you know, wow. you're here." And yes.
1: um, I'm getting chills. That's so great. I love that.
0: Yeah, my eyes were closed. It was like he was on one side of a curtain, I was on the other, but I could feel him. It was so wow. real, and, and you can't and just, deny that. No,
1: and I've heard a lot of mediums say that, you know, we raise our vibration and they lower theirs so that they can communicate. So probably like you were getting pretty deep into your meditation. It was probably raising your vibration enough for him to be able to kind of get through to you. You know, he's probably always there, but able to feel that that's incredible.
0: Well, I think being someone who has been of a logical base, and that was why standard religion didn't appeal to me. I think the trouble with being someone who is completely, truly logical is that you won't allow yourself to kind of explore that sort of thing because it's, you know, I think that's why so many doctors are completely closed off. Some of them are starting to realise it, but there are doctors out there who've had patients who've had near-death experiences and they've basically shut that patient down when they've tried to explain, Mm -hmm. I heard you saying this. They've kind of gone, I don't want to talk about it and just walked out.
1: Oh, that's too bad because, you know, they're closing themselves off from a pretty amazing experience, you know?
0: Yeah, well, that's that's yeah. the thing. I think that's partly why I'm, I'm doing the podcast is to get people talking about it and thinking about it. And if you do feel uh, or if you're a person out there who does feel they want to explore their spirituality, but feels, oh, I, I wish I had that. I think you can, but you just have yeah. to seek it out. And yeah. Because as I said, it was so clear with George and I've never had anything like that. And and I could feel it was mm-hmm. interesting. I could, I could feel him, but I could feel his love. And I could wow. feel, I felt a sense of relief. I felt a, a wave of relief off him. Like, thank God yeah. I finally got through to you kind of thing. Oh,
1: that's so great. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And have you still been doing it? Have you still been doing your meditations or no, no, I've been... like maybe you kind of fall off the wagon a little bit?
0: I must confess, I actually fell off the wagon. It was partly because it got really busy, but I think it was also partly because it didn't frighten me, but it kind of overwhelmed me a little. And I kind of then, uh, I think, subconsciously backed away a little bit, but I'm ready now to come forward again. That's how I feel too. Yeah. I think this whole thing is a journey. If you decide to go on this path, you have to follow it at the pace you're ready to, but don't be afraid of it kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I had the same kind of feeling after the police, uh, the police car
1: incident. I almost felt like, whoa, all right, that was a test, and I passed the test. But like now, I'm kind of freaked out by it a little bit, but not in like a fearful way. But I was just like, whoa, okay, you know that happened, and I, I feel like I, it was like validation. But yeah, I don't know what it is. Like it, it's not a conscious thing where I, I'm like afraid of. Like I mean, it wasn't like a fearful experience, but. Ever since then I haven't had as much of a drive to, to do the meditation anymore. It was almost like, whoa, all right, I now I, I should do it again. I there were so many benefits to it, not even just an experience like that. I mean, just stress relief in general. Um, it got a little addicting. I like I actually really would look forward to it,
0: you know. Oh, that's interesting. I think it's very good for you. I think it's a very healthy thing to do regardless I think of- yeah, I can
1: imagine yeah. it must be really good for you. Um you know, st- for stress relief, um but also even they say like healing property, you know, the healing benefits of it, you know. Mm. Um there's reports that, you know, if you have an ailment and you kind of like meditate on that part of your body, healing and actually can facilitate your body healing from whatever it is. So, I think there it is pretty powerful beyond just you know, stress relief for relaxation,
0: you know. But I think, too, for you, I mean, if you're feeling that feeling of you don't need to go any further with it, maybe you don't. Maybe you needed to have that experience with the, with mm-hmm. the police officer as a, see, this is real, you can trust in it, believe it. Probably. I think
1: it almost did feel like that, to be honest, because in having the dream journal, my husband bought me the journal, start journaling my dreams back in May. It was for Mother's Day, which in, here is in May, he bought me that because these things would happen a lot. So his idea was like, you know, you should start writing them down so you can go back and reference it. One of the things that made him buy me the journal is when the COVID crisis hit. So you probably don't know who this person is because um, he's a governor of New York and his name is Andrew Cuomo. Have you heard of him or seen him on the news at all? I have seen him. Oh, you have.
0: Okay, we've had quite a lot of coverage because of uh, what's happened in America.
1: I didn't know if he would make it to, you know, the world news, but this is so crazy. So back in like maybe February, right before this whole COVID crisis hit, I had this vivid dream that this man was all over the television, and I woke up. I wrote down his name, Andrew Cuomo, and I had to Google on my phone, had never heard of this man before in my life. And I looked at my phone and I said, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York state. And I said to my husband, I'm like, I just had a vivid dream that this man, Andrew Cuomo was all over the news. It's probably going to be some type of sex scandal. I said, remember this name and in a couple of months, if there's a big sex scandal, um, remember I told you his name. Okay, so never in my wildest dreams did I think we were going to have a pandemic. And at the time, Andrew Cuomo was like, you know, he was all over the news. And because New York State and New York City got hit so badly in the beginning. And I mean, they were just completely decimated with the virus in the very beginning of the pandemic. And he, the governor of New York was on the news constantly giving updates and really being a leader in the COVID crisis. And when I tell you, I had never heard of this man ever before. Never seen his picture. I looked at him on my phone. I said, why would I dream about this guy? This makes no sense. And I just thought there was going to be some like sex scandal in the news about him. I wished so bad that I had written it down. And that's so that's why when the pandemic hit and he was all over the news and I said to my husband, like, do you remember when I had the dream about Andrew Cuomo? And I told and he was like, oh, my God, I do remember that. And he's like, Christina, you need to start writing this stuff down. So that's when he bought me the journal because it was almost like no one could believe me. Like, unless I had had written it down. Because why would I ever dream about this random governor of New York, you know? And then he, a month later, ended up all over the television, which was just, it's just bizarre. It
0: is, isn't it? Um, That's amazing. It's crazy. Well, it'll be interesting to see where you go with it, actually. I hope we end up staying in touch. And thank you, Christina, for writing to me because you were my first pen pal. Actually, you were my first fan. <laughs> oh,
1: was I really? Yeah. Oh, well, so. I, feel, I really appreciated your podcast. And I, I it's so well done and well researched. And you do a really great job with it. And I really look forward to the stories
0: every week. So. Oh, thank you so much. I don't get them out weekly. I wish I could, but I'm hoping to one day. <laughs> Once, I'm hoping I can end up sort of doing this as my main thing. But it's a bit of a pathway to get to that. But I'm getting there slowly, so. It's just been amazing talking to you. Thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you
1: so much.
0: And I'll keep an eye out for what's happening with you. And if, if anything else develops, I'll get you back on and we'll do an update. So. All right. Sounds great. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So for anyone who might have been wondering about the Laura Lynn Jackson book that Christina spoke of at the start of the episode, Laura has written two books. The first one is called Signs, the Secret Language of the Universe, but I suspect the one that Christina was thinking of was called The Light Between Us, which discusses recognising messages from loved ones who've passed. Lois Wetzel has written five books, and they are Reincarnation, Past Lives in the Akashic Record, Adina, Energy Medicine from the Stars, Akashic Records, Case Studies of Past Lives, and Sacred Journeys and Vision Quests. These can all be found on Amazon.com, and I think you can get them from other booksellers as well. And Lois can be contacted via her website, Hot Pink Lotus. Christina and I started chatting because of the podcast. And I have to say that this is the first time I've covered a story that made the hair go up at the back of my neck when she told me of Lois Wetzel's revelations and of the police car appearing at her door. Because The lead-up to it all literally unfolded over the course of the year as we went along. It's interesting how many times psi ability pops up in people who have reincarnation memories, or in this case, don't have memories, but perhaps did. From Christina's remembered conversation with her little friend, I would put good money down that she started out with memories she's since forgotten. Memory can be a powerful influencer in our lives, and as with any repressed memory, the effect of the events that have occurred in the past can deeply affect us as we grow older. It's not surprising to me that an event as tragic as a drowning child or a freak accident could leave long-standing marks on a consciousness. So because we love a good fact find here on the podcast, I did a little bit of internet searching about some of the facts that Christina related to us about the lives that Lois Wetzel was able to tell her about. Finding information about a boy who could have fallen from the mountains in Bosnia, is a next-to-impossible task. Bosnia is a beautiful country, but it has a very tragic history. In 1992, on or around the 6th of April, the Bosnian War started, which changed the country forever. There is way, way too much to go into with regard to the war. But basically, tensions between the Serbs, Croats and Bosniaks escalated and in 1993 the country found itself in the middle of a war the fighting was bitter and dirty with indiscriminate shelling of cities ethnic cleansing and systematic mass rape being undertaken largely perpetrated by the serbian forces and to a lesser extent the croat and bosnian forces as part of this ethnic cleansing 13 of the 15 villages situated in the Bosnian mountains were destroyed. The two remaining villages were also going to be wiped out as well, but thankfully the Bosnian army was able to intercept the Serbian army before they could reach them, so both villages were saved simply by their remoteness. All 13 villages were basically wiped out, although a handful of people have returned to some of them after the end of the war in 1995. So you can imagine finding information on a small child who might have fallen from the mountain would more than likely be lost as village records were destroyed and any memories that the villagers might have had have of course tragically disappeared too with their deaths. However, it is possible to see from the area that Lois's account is extremely plausible. One of the remaining villages is called Lugamere. If you look at photos of it, and I will include some on my Facebook page, it is an extremely mountainous and rugged region to live in. Leukomere is an amazing village and I'll include a link to a YouTube video of a drone flying over the village so you can see what the area looks like. On one side of the town, there is a massive bluff and the cliff just falls away to a sheer drop. I don't know what the other towns were like, but if Leukomere is anything to go by if a child falling to their death, is a distinct possibility. As to whether a child in a farming community like that would have had music lessons, from the videos I've seen, there's a quite energetic communal dance that is fascinating to watch and involves everybody linking arms in a long line, jiggling a lot and kicking up their legs. My apologies, I couldn't find what this dance is called, but it looks great fun and people kind of join in and then break off as the dance goes on. There are quite an array of instruments used in Bosnia, including the accordion, drums, several variations of bagpipe-type instruments, a kaval, which is like a cross between a recorder and a flute, a lute-like instrument called a sargia, tambourines, and a zuma, which is a bit like a loud, high-pitched trumpet. So it's very possible that musical ability would be nurtured and encouraged in the community. With regard to the drowning incident in Norway, Surprisingly, there are three months of the year where swimming is quite possible in Norway as it has a reasonably temperate climate. While I can't find anybody using turbans for headgear as swimwear, there were diving caps in the past that could be very easily mistaken for a turban if you were trying to describe it. And again, I will include a page from a Bonwit Teller & Co catalogue to my Facebook page so you can see one. I wasn't really sure where the drowning incident occurred whether it was in the sea, at a lake or at a swimming pool. Any option is possible, as just about every town and city in Norway is either on the coast or on a river. Badadaman bathing area in Stavanger is one of the city's oldest bathing spots with a long history. In use, since at least 1849, the area has long been a popular place to swim and play for the children of the many canning factory workers who used to live in the area during the large herring industry period. The schools in the area used to organise swimming training for their pupils in the pond, so swimming lessons were definitely a recognised safety protocol that occurred from the 1800s onward. Norwegian women did wear long dresses called bunad, and again I will be posting a photo for you to see on Facebook. The bunad is a national dress, so they may have worn different styles of dress for everyday wear, but I would assume they would still follow the fashions of the so-called civilised world at the time, and be basically neck to the calf or shin. Regardless of the verification aspect, however, there is one fact that is indisputably true, and that is Lois's reading has provided Christina with a sense of peace and closure. I think this case demonstrates the benefit that can be gained by meditation, hypnotic regression, or consulting a medium if you have a fear that can't be explained. Or, for that matter, an unexplained pain or chronic medical complaint, although it is strongly recommended that all medical avenues be explored first, before considering regression therapy for any kind of treatment like that, as you may end up actually masking the symptoms of a medical condition that should be treated. Which brings me to the last topic I need to cover in this episode. According to the International Life Saving Federation, even though many countries have swimming and safety classes available, approximately 1.2 million people around the world die by drowning every year. That is more than two people a minute. Around one third of children who drown do so in or around the home. Children between the ages of two to four years of age have a higher risk of drowning than any other age group. The good news is however that even though more people are engaging in water activities the drowning rates have not gone up. This can be attributed to a higher interest and understanding of water safety and better training of lifesavers and lifeguards. I will provide you the link to the St John Ambulance site that is the first aid information site we use here most in Victoria, Australia. The information provided is excellent and very comprehensive but feel free to seek out the information for your country as it might provide you with important information like contact numbers or services available in your area. It's always a good idea to review the latest information on how to perform CPR every now and then. This information may save a life and stop someone from having to experience the trauma and heartbreak of losing a loved one. Thank you for listening to Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We hope you enjoyed this case. If you have any interesting stories about reincarnation or if you can relate your own past life experiences, I'd love to hear about them and I can be contacted through my email at reincarnationplr@gmail.com at or via my Facebook page called Reincarnation Past Lives Revisited. We'll be back again soon with another episode but until then, remember you are unique and your life has a purpose.